This is a HeadGum Podcast. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. No Alright, what's going on, y'all? It's your boy Lil Real. Welcome to Keep It Real with Young Wayne. And today we got a special guest in the building. We have the very talented mm-hmm. actress, comedian, writer, uh, I don't know, performer. Host. Overall dope person. Just dope. The beautiful, the talented. Brandy Denise is in the building. What's up? Brandy. You gotta get the straight. I'm here. (laughs) So you're here. (laughs) Uh, First of all, welcome to the show. Uh, Just a little bit of history. Me and Brandy has known each other for a while. Like we come, you know, from the stand up circuit in Chicago, Mm -hmm. even though you're from Florida. Mm -hmm. But so wait, so did you come to Chicago to do stand up? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when? So here's the thing. Um, I lived in Chicago when I was younger, and I went back a lot of my summers because my mother's from South Shore. So my grandfather—so even when I lived up there as an adult, I would go stay with my grandfather or go take care of him. So I got a lot—most of my mother's side of the family, so I'm up there, and um, I have a lot of roots there. Um, but, yeah, when I was graduating from FAMU, I knew I wasn't going back to my parents' house in Florida, and I knew I was either going to go to L.A. or— sh- no, I was going to go to New York or Chicago. I visited both. Well, I had already been in Chicago. I visited New York. But then I had read somewhere that Conan O'Brien said, Chicago's where you get your comedy wings. And I don't know why, but that resonated with me. Mm-hmm. And Chicago, that's where I went. I mean, it's, it's truth to that, too. You know, like, um, and just seeing you from the beginning all the way till now, which is really fascinating. I think it's fascinating because now I'm like, I feel like I'm old because I saw a lot of people <laughs> from the beginning to, like, now. Right. And... Like, when you first got to Chicago, what what did you think of the circuit? Like, mm-hmm. did it look like, oh, this is crazy, this is hard, this is... You what? know what? Chicago made me uh, really, like, decide who I was going to be. Because in Florida, I had been doing, like, a lot of, like, shows at, like, Florida State and a lot of, like, uh, college shows. And so I kind of had, coming from a, a predominantly, like, white upbringing, although I went to FAMU, I kind of didn't really know my voice or, like like, who I wanted to be on stage. And I would do, like, kind of, like, little silly, goofy one-liners and stuff. And then when it was, like, when I got to Chicago, um, I went to Second City, Annoyance, I.O., all of those. But coming through Jokes and Notes, I did not feel comfortable being the black that I am. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, oh, my black's not that black. And then <laughs> I just I didn't feel comfortable. And, like, people would say, like, oh, you know, you talk this way or you talk that way. And I didn't know how to really, like, voice myself. Like, I am a girl who grew up in the military, but I also went to a black college, and my family is from Chicago, but I also was one of the five people that graduated in my black class. Mm. And so it's just like I didn't really know how to touch on that. And then I realized the realer I got, 
<laughs> and the, on the south side at Jokes and Notes, the better my stand-up got. It wasn't like trying to present myself in a certain way. It was just like, well, you are, you know, you. Well, you know, some like one of the things, uh, you know, if anybody have, have ever watched me, especially when I was doing uh, What That Do Wednesdays. <laughs> um, that's, that's such a funny name. <laughs> but that's what it was about, though. It was about like. For me, and that's one of the things I, I loved about being able to perform every week there, it was just about being who I am, like just being honest. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's where the material comes from. I think that's why I'm fascinated because I remember I remember you kind of doing like the one-liner jokes and like just the jokes. Yeah. And then when you started just talking about your life, yeah, that's when I was like, oh, shit. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's weird because I saw a couple people do that. Like I saw them coming to their own. I mean, like, T. Murphy's a great example mm -hmm. of that. Like, just and just watching everybody develop, M-dubs, it's, yeah. it's really fascinating because I remember when everybody, I remember putting everybody up for the first time. Yeah. And to watch what a lot of you, what a lot of y'all have developed into, it's just really fascinating. And sometimes I wonder, like, yo, did I have any influence on I was, you? I was going to ask that. I, I think that in the beginning stage of, of any job, you want to get down to fundamentals. So, a lot of us, I think, for me specifically, is like, set up punchline. This is how jokes are written. And then it's like you start to develop your voice. And I do think, like, being around, like, seeing you, like, tear down rooms just in an opening set and seeing, like, Damon and just so many of those people do that. It's like, they not just doing set up punchline. You know, you just <laughs> like, they are saying things. And in my head, it's like, oh, you could translate whole stories into setup and punchlines, and it's mm -hmm. not like bam, bam. It's like bam, 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 bam. Mm -hmm. And I really learned from you how to, like, milk stuff. <laughs> because I would say something, and it'd be funny for, like, two minutes, and mm -hmm. people like, you left meat on the bones. Like, you mm -hmm. need to go into that character. You need to go into yeah. the details of this and details of that and really just flush it out. And I feel like, I definitely feel like in Chicago, because once the audience gets you going, it's like, well, why would I stop talking about it now? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yep. Like, once you got them slapping the table or, or, yeah. or and they're engulfed in whatever the character is, the story is, it's like, you got to... And I, you know, I was I just did Bill Bellamy's podcast, and I was telling him, like, I got that from J.B. Smooth. Mm, yeah. Like, he would just, like... He would take every part of the meat off the bone of a bit <laughs> to the point you like, I don't, I've seen that man do different, the same bit at least 10 different times. That's amazing. 10 different fucking times. Like, and I just picked my favorite time he did it. Like, he, he used to do this fight bit about, like, somebody, he got to a fight and mm. fought him to his house. Like, look, man, you can't come to my house, man. He's just hitting him. Look, look my grandmother's sleeping. My grandmother's sleeping. And then the grandmother wakes up. And like, he's like, young man, young man, you can't hit me. I'm the grandmother. It was just, but he was, I didn't know he was going to go that far. Yeah. He woke up the fucking grandmother and then he started hitting her. Like, it's yeah. the most insane thing. But I mean, but that's how, I'm glad you said that. That's why I got it from. I think, you know, and I'm watching you, like, you know, we've been, uh, you, you've been on tour with me. Yeah. And I was enjoying watching, like, because we, we'll get into all that too. It's very interesting. Like, I love your style of comedy. Like, where Thank you, you. Where, where you at now with it? Because I like when I don't know where something is fucking going. Oh, thank mm. you. I appreciate it. And that. it only comes from real stories. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like, you could write a joke. And, and that's the thing. I, I remember doing Last Comic Standing, and I got eliminated because, and I remember one of the judges apologized to me because I did one bit. And they was like, oh, that's not comedy. They wanted to see joke, joke, joke. That's what they, 
sitcom. Yeah. And they said what I was doing was more improv. I mean, they literally said that shit as they was judging me on national TV. Wow. And I remember the judges, one of the judges called me and apologized. Like, man, my bad. We were wrong. Yeah. Hmm. We were wrong. And, you know, because once again, depending on where you start comedy, it is it is this weird taboo of like, this is how you do that. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, black comics get that stigma all the time. Like, you know, if you go do a Zanies, you know, they basically asked you to change your set back in the day. Okay. I mm. couldn't do the set I did at Jokes Notes at Zany's. Wow. And that's why I never, I has, I just didn't do it no more. Yeah. Mm. One night I didn't follow none of the fucking rules <laughs> and killed that bitch and left. Like, I'll never come back <laughs> to this motherfucker. What? That, that explains it. And I mean, it, Bert, I mean, hey man, look, shout out to Burt, but at the same time, that was whack. They yeah. only said it to the black comics. Chicago's definitely had a, um, eye-opening experience in terms of, like, doing comedy from Florida even to L.A. and then Chicago, because I did it in those three cities. But Chicago's comedy scene is very divided. Very and you know what it was? I Once I started um, killing at Jokes and Notes, I, I immediately got into Zany's, The Laugh Factory, anything. And it was just, like, my confidence went up. And right. it was like, what y'all going to tell me? I'm not funny. Like, I'm a, I'm down there. They they like me down there. <laughs> so it was like after I had conquered that wall, I just started doing all the north side rooms. And I was able to just go between the same. And then I realized that I could do my material on both sides. Mm. And that's when I realized I had found, like, my voice. And I didn't feel uncomfortable doing the shit about you know, my parents or the stuff about my dad or, or, the, or the nigga still in my car on the north side or the south side. Somebody you know? stole, stole your car? We... <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in, only in Chicago. I got my car stole. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, someone still out there, bitch. I never got it back. What? You still don't know what his car is? I don't know what a car is, no. Oh, wow. But I moved out here. I was like, fuck it. It's <laughs> Wait, so he, he stole your car in Chicago? Like, fuck, I'm going to L.A. <laughs> well, I had left it there. Oh, okay. And um, he 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 started being, like, kind of, you know, disappearing. Mm-hmm. And at the time, my homegirl, Just Niche, was mm-hmm. uh, talking to his brother. And she was like, girl, I done been over there a couple times. She said, your truck is not there. Mm. I'm calling him with my truck at. It was, it was in the shop. It was in the shop. Truck in the shop. In the shop I got right. on a fucking flight. I Damn. went to his house. Oh, popped up on him. Okay. Niche was in the. Niche was driving the car. I was in the back seat. I said we Uber because <laughs> they <laughs> had one of them gate things. <laughs> it was snowing. It was a snowstorm. Wow. Went to his house. I knew the little gate codes of the garage. He told me he was in Texas. I just went to see if my car was there. I opened up the gate. Oh, he's sitting on the couch. I thought your ass was in Texas. He's like, why the fuck are you here? <laughs> I'm like, where the, fu- where the fuck is my car? <laughs> and it was just still like it was in the shop. It was in the shop. And I just, just basically like everything that he had that I had. He had a new girlfriend. Uh, he gave her my coats, my car, pants. He gave her all my car. shit. What and- the fucking, what's, what's that Biggie video? <laughs> throw the coats out the door? Yeah. I mean, they don't have nothing to do with that. Like, <laughs> Jesus. Wait, so this nigga did some, why did I get married? Yeah, like, fuck it. Tyler Perry movie shit. He like I just never got my stuff back, and I remember calling like the police because he stayed like <laughs> somewhere like kind of north, and it was like Muncie, it was like something close to like the borderline. And um, I called them, and they were like, "Well, you got to call somebody. You saw call somebody." I had a fight going back to LA. I said, "You know what?" And I think right around that time, I had just booked like a TV show. I said, "Fuck it!" Like the car was paid for. It was like a two thousand fucking Ford Nissan Xterra. I'm like, I'm gonna get another car. Damn, that's some G shit. That nigga like, I ain't get another cop for four years, but I got. <laughs> this is the funny part. The funny part is any like that's any nigga excuse if they don't know where your car is. It's in the shop. 
<laughs> yeah. What shop? Like, what shop? The shop. I'm trying to get your tires fixed. None of that. I was like, <laughs> I'm not even there. For two years, nigga? And you got two Range Rovers. What you getting the exterior tire fixed for? <laughs> wow. What did, he, what did he do with the car? I, th- I really think maybe he probably just gave it away to somebody. Or he probably sold it. He probably was like, I ain't fucking with her no more. He got a new girl. And so, he just sold my shit. Did, did he buy you your car? No, I bought it. Okay, go ahead. But it was just at his house. It was at his house because I had left Chicago and I wasn't staying in my place no more. So we were still dating. Like he would fly to LA, I would fly to Chicago. And then like one one month went by when we didn't see each other and he fell in love and got rid of my shit. Well, no, he gave it away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you bought it. It was like coming to America. You remember they left their shit outside? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Came over there, she walking around with your coat on. Like, oh, what? That's why she said, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like. I'm like, where's my where's my coat and stuff? He's like, ain't none of your stuff here no more. Damn. <laughs> like, what? About, that's my bra, nigga. <laughs> right. What you doing with my bra? I was like, nasty lady. And called me a couple years later, like, I still got your uh some of your some of your your pictures and your photo, your artwork and stuff in my storage if you want to get it. I said, where is my car? Fuck <laughs> 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 that art. Where is my car? He what got, are we doing? He got the photos. <laughs> He's like, oh man, you wanna play games. <laughs> The games people play. <laughs> and you know, it's so funny because shout out to Taquita Love. But anytime anything good happened for me, like anytime I book a TV show, anytime I like get booked on like a comedy show or anything, she'd be like, you better tell that nigga stole your car. Look <laughs> <laughs> how far you came. <laughs> That's her fucking signature line. She called me, bitch, you remember that nigga stole your car? That's so Look funny. at God. <laughs> so how long did you stay in Chicago doing comedy? Uh, seven and a half years. Wow. Yep, from 25 to, so, 24 to 31. Mm. So what So what brought you here? What Did you book something? Did you book no. a television show? So you just came? I felt like I was in Chicago. First of all, I came from a military background. Lit, was born in Texas, started school in Germany, Kansas, Ohio, Florida, everywhere. And so I was used to picking up and moving and restarting. And um, I felt like I had hit a ceiling in Chicago. And not to say that I was, like, the biggest comedian in Chicago, but I was like, I've done all the clubs here. I'm alumni at all the improv schools. I've done musicals. I've done the one-woman show. I've been in the Tribune. It's just like, and then I was working for the state. I had already resigned from my state job, and I was able to subside um, little temp jobs and um, comedy and and still make, pay my bills. Mm. And so I was just like, well, now it's time to go to the next level. And I was just like, I either got to go to New York or I got to go to L.A. if I want to go to yeah. Work with the big dogs. Mm-hmm. And so um, I typically just go with the flow. And I didn't I, I didn't end up in New York because I came. You know what it was? In 2017, Just Niche had booked her thing with Kevin Hart. And that's what I love about Chicago, the camaraderie. Mm-hmm. It's like a sisterhood. If I don't see you for years, I still, it's like a deep level of, like, friendship there. Mm-hmm. And Niche had booked her first special with Kevin Heartbeat, half a half hour, Comedy Central. And I was doing a show with her down in, like, Harvey or something. And she was like, bitch, we booked a special. And I said, and they, yeah, she, we getting our makeup done. I said, bitch, who booked the special? She said, well, I booked the special, bitch, but we booked the special, bitch. <laughs> and when she said that to me, I said, we booked the fucking special. Yeah. And she told me the dates. And I flew to L.A. for the first time ever. Me, Niche, Sherelle, and M-Dub stayed in Niche Hotel room that wow. night. Went there to support her. And I think I stayed out here for three days. And after that, I flew out here every month and got an Airbnb and just started telling people I lived out here. I was like, I'm moving to L.A. Like, that one trip with her showed me what was possible. Mm. And I was just like, yeah, this one I'm doing. And in September, 
my 31st birthday, I moved to L.A. And by the time I had moved out here, I was able to do the improv and like some shows at the Laugh Factory and the Comedy Store because I had been coming out here for six months and people already thought I lived out here. Hmm. So what was the first... <laughs> What was the first TV gig you booked? Power. Wow. Ever. That was your first? <laughs> first. And I honestly fought against that, too, because I had a manager for, like, a year. She never. Did she always send me two auditions. She sent me the Clark Sisters and Power. The and Clark I Sisters and I can't Power. sing like that. The Clark I Sisters and a stripper. Yeah. And you was Epiphany, the, right? Yeah. This is going to be the, the gospel people and wow. the stripper. That's, and it was in the same week. It would have been great <laughs> if you booked both. <laughs> that? Talk about range. Yeah, I'm serious. I'd have loved it. Damn, that's crazy. <laughs> so even with that, right? So <laughs> when you got the, what, like, the role you booked on Power, is that what you auditioned for? Yeah, but here's the thing. So when she called me, she said, I got this role for this show. I didn't know what Power was. I don't mm. watch TV like that. Dang. So when she sends it to me, I didn't do it. I was in Chicago fighting for my fucking car. <laughs> so when I came back, she said with Brandy, she said, well, did you? are you going to submit? I said, no, it's already done. It's, it's over. They, it passed. And she's like, well, they still haven't found the person. Um, I said, well, they said they're looking for somebody in New York. I don't live in New York. I was giving her so many excuses. I didn't right. know what power was. And so she was like, okay, well, can you just do the fucking tape? <laughs> and then I went over to D-Lay. And Billy Sorrell's podcast, and them niggas over there drinking, and and nobody was ready to shoot the podcast, and they was like, well, fuck it, they was waiting on somebody else. That person never showed up, so I was there with they sound, they they crew, and I said, listen, I got an audition that I could do since the camera set up. Can I just do it? Wow. And I did it, and I did a set that I did a tape for them, and then I did it, and I attribute Chicago to this again. I did another take where, cause in the first scene I ever filmed, I was like talking about my baby daddy and how he wasn't shit I did their lines and then I did another one where I was just roasting this nigga and um, went way off book and when I sent it in they said they really liked it and I got a call back like two days later and it was crazy because that was only supposed to be like one roll and one 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 taping and then it turned into three and then it turned into Ghost which was a spinoff so it ended up being two seasons and six episodes mm. and so that was amazing yeah Wow, yeah. that's a crazy. Nah, you that, this is the thing about it too. I remember when I saw, and I'm because I'm a fan of the show, uh -huh. and I just I was like, oh shit, Brandy, <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Brandy's I, I, I didn't know you was on the show, yeah. and that shit was fucking. I was so like happy for you. I was like, oh shit, I might have texted you actually. Yeah, I, I I believe you did. I think a lot of people were shocked because like, oh shit. And it was crazy. It was such a big show. I See, did that's what not it is. Yeah. You didn't know that. It was yeah. it's such a big-ass show. I had no idea. I think I might have saw part of the story. Yeah. That like, was a big part of the story. Yeah. Post about it one time. But I do remember I had to watch five seasons in two weeks. And mm. I remember being on the airplane to New York, still watching the last season. I remember it was a white guy sitting next to me, and he was watching it. <laughs> and I was like, this must be a big show. Mm. Yeah, dude, it's this is supposed to be a big yeah, show. Yeah, yeah we all yeah. watch it. And my roommate heard like, this shit this called Power. So big. Yeah, my roommate was like, "This is so big." And I remember Dubs talking about it on Facebook all the time, but I, I just saying. wasn't in the loop. Wow, Dude, that shit was like I was like that's that's what you know. It's funny. I love when shit like that happens. Like I love because I'm a fan. I watch. Everything. everything. Like, I want people to watch everything. everything. And so to be a fan and like literally see, and it was such a big, I'm like, shit, Brandy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it. damn, that had to be so much fun. How was it working with that cast? Um, So it was a lot of fun. It was, you know, it was a very good uh, learning experience. I think for me, I came in just, you know, super fresh, super new. Mm -hmm. I remember the first scene I ever did with uh, Tasha Notori. Um, I didn't know that they did like camera 
um, run-throughs, rehearsals. Mm. So when we in rehearsal, I'm in there acting. Like, you know, I got to pay my bills tonight. And, and they're like, you don't have to do that right now. Like, the oh, camera's wow. not even set up. We just taping the lives. Everybody was like, just calm down. So, like, I, I didn't know I had, I didn't get to do all that. But I, the first director I worked with was Gary Lennon, who was also executive producer on Power. And I was really happy that he didn't look at me as less because of that. Mm. He was like, I love, he was like, we picked you because you're super funny. And we know that you can handle it and you can run off and still do well. And he was like, I like that you aren't theatrically trained because anything that I give you, you receive. And so I was just there, like, willing and open to learn any and everything. And I wasn't afraid to, like, just get up there and, like, try my best. And it was never, they never made me feel like, oh, this is a comedian. She don't know what she's doing. So I felt like for me, that was the best set to start on. And it was very professional. Everybody was super nice. And it was never, I never felt like I was just the stripper girl and this is the main cast. Um, yeah, I, I love that they were like that because after that, I was on some sets that was not that nice. Mm. So Uh-oh. for that to be such a big show, it was great. Notori was great. Lala was super fun. Tariq is such a... Uh, he just reminds me like, like, like being around him made me realize that like, oh, you like are 20. Like I remember <laughs> working with him. We did some set one day. He kept coming up to me. He was like... You ever heard this song? It's like some drill rap. I'm like, no, I don't know this. Like, you know, it's like the age difference was showing to me. And then Method Man was cool as shit. And Mary J. Blige was really like, you know, I met her and uh, got to talk to her for a little while. And that was super dope. My first role was on Power. And my first director was with Gary Lennon. It's incredible. That's crazy, yo. Like, what? (laughs) So truth be told, did you book that after or during? Like at the same time? Book what after or during? Is it truth be told? What's the BT show? Oh, can't see a play. Can't see a play. <laughs> oh, like, there's so many goddamn titles like this. I'm like, truth be told, what? What's the truth? <laughs> no, games, games people play. Yeah, my bad. I don't know why. I don't know, man. I, I booked Power in um, 2018, and I booked Games People Play in 2021. Mm-hmm. And so Power didn't come out to 2019, and then I did Ghost in 2020, and then 2021, I got my first series regular. And even with that one, um, it's just crazy how stuff gets passed on because I think D-Ray, so Dan Fool helped me with my self-tapes. And D- Dan Fool told me, he was like, D-Ray said, always slayed in character. And f- I don't always do that, but for this role, I did. And I did my little whole little slate, and I was like, it's your girl, Kunisha, period, whatever. And, like, literally, Tracy Edmonds and the showrunner was like, when we saw your self-tape, like, we knew that it was you. We didn't even need mm. to see the rest. How was that experience, too? <laughs> that was... Man, Atlanta's a different world. I was mm-hmm. in Atlanta for three months. Mm. You had a good time? <laughs> did I? <laughs> did I? <laughs> April got the calls. Atlanta was wild. I um, I fell in love with a woman in Atlanta. Wait, what? Yeah, okay. like Atlanta okay. was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I've always uh, been bisexual. It's never been uh, just anything I was out with, just walking around telling people, but... During that stint in Atlanta, I, I fell in love with a woman and um, introduced her to my parents and stuff. I, oh, oh, this is this like, is real. Yeah, it wasn't on the show. You was a whole, whole full blown lesbian. Yeah. Oh, I remember. I remember telling real that, and he was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> he was like, "He was like, I got homegirls to say that." Cause, cause the thing about it is, you know, you can tell who's like, "No, I'm forever gay." Yeah. Like this is what it is. You never gave me forever. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. Had me and her worked out as in a forever way, I would have been forever gay. I felt like 
if if you know what I'm saying, if you and your person work out, then that's your forever person. Right, right, right. It just wasn't my forever person. But um, I was really happy for that experience because I really do feel like it was just it was it was definitely a different experience. Like she, my mean, parents I, came. I thought you was out the game yeah. too, though. I thought you because that was a relationship, relationship. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Was not private at all. So in the three months that you were out there, I was out there for four months, but we dated after I left. Okay, okay. Yeah. Atlanta's, Atlanta's a wild. Welding instructor Alex Declare knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go, look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Out as, you know, <laughs> I, my girlfriends, she be like, when I go to Atlanta, she can't sleep. I'm sure you can't either. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta's a wild, it's, it's, it's almost scary how wild it is. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't even enjoy it anymore. I'm actually more. I, I don't like going like I used to because yeah. it's too much going. It, it's like it's crazy. I mean, a couple days is good. <laughs> yeah. But even if I audition for a show, they're like, "Oh, we're filming in Atlanta for a month." I'm like, "Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why?" Nah, I'm, it's funny you say that. I mean, I like going now because my kids are there. But like, it's just it's just too turned the fuck up all the fucking time. Like, even if you sitting somewhere by yourself, minding your fucking business. <laughs> It can easily turn into a turn up. Yeah, yeah. Can like, turn into what? A turn up, like just a, just a thing. Just like ah, oh, here we go. Yeah. Somebody gonna walk up on you by yourself. Not even just that. I mean, as, I mean, they blowing hookah smoke over. <coughs> it's bad. They, they, got, they got hookah at the gas stations. Huh? No, I'm just it's, okay. It's bad, bad. Well, they kind of do actually. I think about it. I think I saw them selling some hookah at the gas station. I believe it. Niggas walking to bound a little pins and shit. Who get the gas station? That's you crazy. go to brunch in Atlanta, you gotta pay sixty dollars to park your car. It's Atlanta is the everything is the club. Yeah. Yeah, no, everything literally is the club. <laughs> you go to a daycare, you're like, God damn, they got a little daycare. I mean, it's a car wash I go to that be lit. Yeah. It's a lounge and shit. So I hang out there for hours. I think I know, um, I think I know what you're talking about. I go there every time in Atlanta, I hang out there all the time. Yeah. I hang out there and I'll be there for hours because I get a detail, but I just be T.I. put me on that shit. I, Best I, salmon I've ever had. I I, I love it though, wash? especially in the summer. Salmon croquettes. They got a bar in there and shit. Ooh. It, yeah, it's I like I had a salmon croquette in a minute. Man, <laughs> I tell you that shit. They do it the like breakfast rice. too. They do some white rice and eggs. Yeah. Well, they do it with eggs and hash browns too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Every time I'm, that's why I go to get my. I I'm literally. I, nah, I don't want to admit to that. But <laughs> <laughs> if I had a late call, I would hang out there. You know what I mean? So by the time I'm at work, it's kind of like shibidi doubles, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the car wash. Okay, yeah. yeah. Uh, but okay, so you do that in Atlanta. Uh, your first—that's your first series regular job. Yes. Um, I mean, how did that feel? Did it feel more weighty? It. I was. I was nervous. I was nervous. Um, and more so because I'm like, so do I need to remember this whole script when I get to set? Mm. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Because now I'm working five days a week, and I'll tell you guys a little bit about that too. So. I did season two of Games People Play. Um, season one, I played Jackie Long's girlfriend slash fiance, turned to be his wife. Um, but first season, Gail Bean from Snowfall, mm-hmm. um, she was his girlfriend in the first season. So they did like a, a Fresh Prince switch. Mm-hmm. She got series regular on Snowfall, 
and I became her. It was never any... We made a couple jokes about it in some of the episodes. It was like, you look different, Fanisha. <laughs> but it was never acknowledged that I was a different person. You can't acknowledge it. Yeah. You can't... You. It's the Aunt Viv yeah. effect. You never don't say shit. It. Just do it. Just keep going. Yeah. Just keep going. <laughs> and just picked up like we left off. And it was just... And so it was cool. It made me feel good as a stand-up comedian to step in and be able to fill that role and now seeing her on Snowfall doing, like, such amazing things. And I was just like, dang, I feel like I have, like, kind of a lane in this acting world. And uh, Tracy Emmons was so sweet to me. And like I said, I feel like a lot of people just gave me a lot of grace and were just, like, really, like, there to help me. And she was always like, I'm Team Brandy. And mm-hmm. if I need, ever needed anything, I could text her or call her. And it wasn't, like, this wall or barrier that's set up. And you know who else... Um, really vouched for me to get that role was Carl. Carl Craig. Yep. Shout out to Carl Craig. Rest in peace. Right. Wow. Yeah. Carl was the first person that ever called me from that. I was sitting in my studio apartment, shitty-ass studio apartment in East Hollywood, and I had just booked it, and Carl was like, hey, Brandon, I'm one of the executive producers. What was the comedy show he did? Um, he did... Who Got Jokes. Who got, he was like, I, I did Who Got Jokes. I, I know Mary. I, know, I see you from Chicago. We watched your stand-up. You're very funny. He was like, I really fought for you to be here. I believe that you are the breakout star. He was just... Oh, he was just... So he, he made me feel like I was supposed to be there. Because sometimes when you work with actors who are doing it, mm-hmm. and they've never seen you doing it, you know, it get a little high school. Mm-hmm. It could get a little high school. And then I was like number seven or eight on the call list. And so, you know, it was like... It was just like... Some days I felt like it was just like oh, that little extra boost of him yeah. being like you're supposed to it's be a little here. clickish, huh? I mean, so, it's, something, it, something. It, it can be. It's like, but but just back to Carl Craig real quick. That's how you know. That's how I got who got jokes. You know what I'm saying? Like I was just talking to Bill Bellamy about it the other day because <laughs> I had hosted the showcases in Chicago. Mm. But I'm like, why the fuck I ain't on the show, right? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> y'all know me. They're like, and Carl was like, oh, damn, really? My, everybody was apologizing. Because right. they didn't think I wanted to do it. Like, nigga, I want to do it. Yeah. I ain't doing shit else. Yeah. So I'm going to host these auditions and everybody else will get this shit and I'm killing. And it's a TV show. And it's a TV show. What? <laughs> yeah, I want to do it. And uh, But Carl was the one that made that happen, man. Like, that, that became somebody... For years, when I first started coming out here, that's who I would call and ask for advice from. Yeah. was Carl Craig. And he never had a problem picking up the phone. He, um, when we had our rap party, and even towards the end of the season, he had been diagnosed around, I think, around the rap party. And so, like, looking at the videos, and I remember one night we had went to Rocksteady. And we all, the cast in there getting down. Everybody drinking. We in there dancing on each other. He was like, oh, my God. They just rubbing their bodies on each other. Somebody going to have sex tonight. And we was like, no, this is, this is how people dance, Carl. <laughs> like, ain't nobody <laughs> having no sex. It's just like he, he saw people bumping and grinding. But even to go from remembering him that night to knowing that he had the diagnosis then, and then, like, shortly after the season premiere, he passed. It was just like, wow. Like, he... He just had, like, such a good spirit. He was in one of the episodes. He dressed up as, like, he had a wig on he just, and a dashiki as a woman. And it was just, like, he was just always, anytime he walked into the trailer or he was on set, we knew Carl was there. And it was just, like, dang, to know that he was, like, dealing with that. And it was just, like, you know, fuck. But I'm really happy and fortunate that I got to meet him because I heard that he was influential in so many people's He's careers. He's a generational guy, I mean, you talking about, like, the group he started with, Robert Towns and all those cats, you know what I'm saying? Like, if you go back and look at, like, those old specials, just calling those sketches. Yeah. Huh. I gotta go it? check it out. It's so And it's so, he's so fucking funny. Yeah. 
And so, like, to come from that world of, I mean, that's why all them dudes wearing them goddamn hats. Robert yeah. That was their whole look. That was their thing. He's the hat guy. That was their, that was their fucking mm. thing. And so it's, it's just, but it's, you know, the blessing sometimes, and I was literally, I'm not keep referencing Bill Belly, but it was just from this conversation. I'm always grateful that I'm, I've been able to meet, like, people I look up to, like, that I was, like, watching at the crib. I'm like, oh, shit, I got a chance to work with them more. Right. So that's why like, even, like, Carl Craig, I knew exactly who he was. Because mm-hmm. I was watching those Robert Townsend specials. Yeah. Like like a crazy person. I'm like, oh shit! When I saw for our first day, who got job? I'm like, Carl Craig. <laughs> oh shit! You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, but you a producer? Like, and that's right. that's what we learned too from those cats. The potential of everything you can do. You could start out one way, and then next thing you know, you're a power player. You know, what right? I'm saying? Right. And, and he was. And th- I mean, like, we, when you look at yourself, you know, and you you you're accomplishing a lot, right? What what are some of the things you truly want to do next? Like for real, for real. Like you know you can book stuff, you know you can, like what what do you what's the next thing, big thing for you that you want for real, for real? I really wanna um get into a I want I wanna be the lead in my own show. I really wanna show like my comedy. And not necessarily like sitcom comedy, but more like kind of like grounded, like dark humor. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I really wanna get into that lane. Um and then I wanna sell a show, I wanna be on the show. And I want to tour. I like I, I mean, I love being in front of the camera because it exposes you to more people and you get to do like this creativity type thing. But it's just like, I'm looking forward to the point when I could just walk into spaces. Like I did a show in Chicago on Sunday. We sold 300 tickets. That was amazing. But I'm like, I'm ready for like, I'm like ready for the big, big stuff. And then also, just I, like you said, there are no limits. Um, I have a one-woman show that I did in Chicago, friend in Chicago for a couple of years, and I'm mm. super excited to get that up and out because it's so different. It's not stand-up. It's not storytelling. It's me doing characters. It's me doing voices. It's me singing parodies and, like, you know, really getting in my bag, you know? Do you think your background <laughs> with um, being a military brat and being in all these different places have shaped you to who you are comedically as well? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and like I said, I see it just even in, within my own family dynamic because growing up in the military, I got the most of the traveling. And so my brother, who's six years younger than me, by the time we got to like, maybe by the time he got to elementary school, we were done. You know, so by the time I got to high school, we were pretty settled. Okay. And so for me, every year, every two years, being somewhere new, having to like meet new people, fit in again. And like, you know, I really feel like sense of humor was what made me like, reestablish myself everywhere I went. Like, everywhere I went. And even, like, in high school and stuff, people were always like, oh, she's so funny. And it was just like I knew that if I can get people laughing, then people would fuck with me. And it would, I wouldn't have as a hard time, like, fitting in places, mm-hmm. you know. Or just having, like, smart, like, comebacks and stuff, making other people laugh, even right. if the person who ain't like me laugh. But I was like, somebody gonna like me. Gonna say <laughs> How was it doing Abbott Elementary? Like, that, you know, Quinta's my friend, but, like, <laughs> I remember texting her, like, Yo, you winning awards I never fucking heard of. <laughs> <laughs> like, congratulations. You know, uh, how was how was that to do? And like, even just to seeing yourself because it's a hit show. Like, mm-hmm. and that's if if we could rewind back again, like you've been on literally hit like hit shows, like <laughs> right. big. I big mean, hit shows. if you watching this, I book hitters. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> No, um, you know what though? I, I would say you this every audition that I've done that I booked, I knew I was gonna book it when I got done with it. Mm. And with Abbott, um, after I got done, I was with my coach Michael Monks. I was like, uh, 
Yeah, we did that. We got that. I, I got that. I sent it to my agent. I was like, I'm pretty sure I booked that. And then I come to find out I didn't book it. Somebody actually got COVID. And they called me the night before. <laughs> and I understood why they probably picked the other lady. Um, anyway, that's a long story short. God is blessed. So, um, but no, it was great having it. I got called the night before. I went in and... Um, the cool part about that was I was playing a 911 dispatcher, which is what my mother is. Mm. My mother retired from being a 911 dispatcher. So yeah. when I took the picture, I just looked like a little Grace. Like, I was like, look at me. I got, like, my little badge and stuff. <laughs> um, but it was it was really cool. I met Quinta. I think it was maybe my second or third time because I did Bust Down Table Read with Quinta for Chris Red, Jack, and all them because Quinta was supposed to be on that show. She ended up not being on it. I was on Bust Down with them as well. But um, yeah, first, was on Bust Down. I was on Bust Down. Man. Um, the first time I met Quinta... She was like, you look like one of my cousins. You look like we can. And I was like, you look like my cousin. And so when I saw her on Abbott Elementary, said she came up to me and she was like, you look like one of my cousins. I said, we met before and you said that last time. You, <laughs> you do look like my cousin. Like, we do favor. You look you like somebody in my family. And so it was really great working with her. I remember that character had to be so mean. Mm -hmm. And typically, I'm used to being funny. And so for me, that was different because it's like, I'm on the biggest sitcom in America. I'm like, yeah, let's make them laugh. And they like, no, you about to make the lead person cry. Make a cry. Once again, Brandy, you are not here to be funny, okay? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think it was maybe like the third take. And I just really was like, it was like some took over me. And I really did not fuck with her. Mm. And I did that that take, and when they yelled "cut," I was like, "I am so sorry. I am so." She was like, "No." She was like, "She was like, I felt that. Mm. I really felt that." And I was like, "I know." And I was like, "I'm so sorry." And the director came up. She's like, "Do you want to like walk it off?" And I'm like, "No, we good. Cause I gotta do it again. What am I walking this off for? Like, I gotta <laughs> go do it again." But no, it was definitely. I wouldn't say it was hard, but it was definitely like. Um, Kind of like an out of body, a body out of body experience. You know how it is when you're acting. Mm -hmm. You like really turn yourself off, and you really just like you know what I'm saying. You got in. You got in it. I mean, like when you got to do shit like that, it's it's you know, I got I just finished a movie. The movie this movie called The Meal that I got coming out like later this year, and I was congratulations. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, but I had to like because it's a sci-fi thriller and it's so emotional, so I had to oh. dig into some shit that I've never dug into. You know, and it was it was tough getting out of it a little bit because you fall into like you start thinking this shit kind of real because you've convinced like I even had them blindfold me to set. I didn't want to know what the fucking set looked like. Oh, wow. I wanted my character to react to it as if that's cool. Saw that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but but I'm saying like I get it, and I think that's you know that's the that's the beauty about comedians. I, I think the most underrated thing about us is how good we are at acting, especially dramatically. Honestly, yeah. Some of the greatest dramatic actors are some of the funniest motherfuckers of all time. Yeah. Robin Williams is, is on the top of my list. He's one of my favorite actor comedians of all time. Oh. Because he's the, he's the silliest dude in the world. Mm -hmm. But, man, he will make you cry watching something that he's, like, delivering. Yeah. Just, and, you know, that's why I always think, you know, I, I get mad at the Academy Awards because they don't honor comedic actors. Like, you know, it's no way in the hell Eddie Murphy don't win an Oscar for Nutty Professor. Right. They don't have a comedy category. They don't need one, though. If you saying best actor and this nigga plays Okay. <clears throat> like, who, how, who better than that? Yeah, I see what you're saying. You know, they don't they don't even put the comedies in the They don't in the put that best in that. They don't put that in that shit. And mm -hmm. it's, it's unfortunate. You know, and especially when it comes to black comedians, to be yeah. quite honest with you. I, I think, you know, outside of Jamie Foxx playing Ray, 
Uh, shout out to Jamie Foxx. Get yeah. well soon, big bro. Yeah, get well. Um, you know, and which is that's another great example just of a comic taking like, I, I, you know, and I can see that for you to be honest. Excuse me, to be honest with you, you have that potential to like, like I can't wait to see you do that, and I can't wait to see you get your get. Which is why I think your one woman show is important. Mm -hmm. Back in the day, Loretta Devine, Shirley Ralph, all of them, when they first came from New York, they was all on Broadway, all showed up to L.A. with one woman shows. Uh, That's how they got their agents. That's how they was booking shit. Because the one woman shows show all your gifts. Everything, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's. I always think it's I, when I started to hear more people because Brisha Webb was the last one woman show I saw and it was yeah. so fucking good. Yeah, I'm like, why more people don't do this? Because you yeah. probably book more shit mm-hmm. if you show everything, range. your range of everything. Right, it's like your own audition tape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your own reel. Uh, so man, I can't wait to see it. Like you know, I think that's a brilliant thing. You know, when we talk about this all the time, like even from that, just whenever you get your your your, your special, you know, it's just. It's just a, you're just rising and rising, you know what I'm saying? Thank you. And it's it's I think it's fun watching people once again from the beginning, and then you like, damn. <laughs> and like just to even, I, I think audiences be so surprised. Like when we was on tour and they'll know you from power, they're yeah. like, God damn, she's fucking hysterical. Yeah. That's always funny. It's like I could post like a video and be like, oh, this is me and my mom. They'd be like, the stripper from power. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and my mom. Hi. <laughs> and my mom. And my mom. Man. Um, well, yeah. So whenever you did the sapphire, like, do you do, whenever you act, do you do like a transfer of emotions? Like when you're looking at the person, because this is something I learned in one of like the acting schools, but I know different people do it different ways. Mm. Do you take, do you pull from a memory from your past or how do you? Yeah. How do you go there? Um, so, and I've done it for a couple things. Um, I remember the episode of Real I had to do about the episode dedicated to my mother, which was fucking tough to do. Yeah, I couldn't even really write on it. Like Kevin and Josh had to write that shit because I couldn't. I was too tied to it. Yeah. Um, and which that was important too. Casting was. I'm glad my kids was there. You know. Um, it was a lot because I had to go back to a place that I I didn't want to go back to emotionally. And, you know, when I was doing the meal recently, I, like it was at certain moments, and I, I I just watched the cut of it, and you could just feel that shit. I'm like, damn, real? And I remember, oh, yeah, I had to go there. I had to, mm. ugh, I had to pull from that shit. <laughs> and so a lot of times they'll yell cut. And I remember I had to tell my director and the other producer, and I'm glad I produced that shit too, because I was able to be like, hey, uh, I could only do this two times. Yeah. I can't do this more than once. Like, we do the wide, cool. Once we get here, I, I can only do it like twice. Yeah. Because it, it was draining me. Yeah. And I remember when I had wrapped the movie, I literally, literally apologized to the production, because I was, it was a, I was isolated, my character. So, I kind of started just doing that. Like, I was isolating myself. I was, like, in a tent on set. Mm. You know, in between takes, I was just sitting there by myself. And so you apologized for not, like, talking to them that much? Yeah, that I, okay. was, iso- I was very isolated. Yeah. And it wasn't personal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was just it was just some heavy shit. Yeah. You know, I can't wait for y'all to see this. I mean, like... I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm like, dude, like, I, I don't be crying about no awards or nothing, but damn it, if I don't get something for this shit, Soul Train Award or something. <laughs> soul Train Award. <laughs> <laughs> Give me a certificate. Something. I'm, I love I'm, it. But yeah, I mean, you know, that's one of the things, too. Like, I can't, 
you know, one of the reasons why I was excited about having you on tour is that just, you I mean, you're just so, you're so fucking funny to me. Thank you. And, you know, I like comics going up before me that's just fucking great, you know, and... Just having you and Chanel, that was just fun working with y'all. She's so great. <laughs> Chanel was at my house maybe a month ago. She had stopped in the town. Um, Shout out to Chanel Ali, comedian. Shouts out to my baby girl. And so thank you so much because if I hadn't done, me and her hadn't done a tour with you, I, Chanel lives in New York. I had never even heard of her. I probably would have eventually met her. <laughs> but now she's just the sweetest thing. Like it's not unusual for us to just like, you know, we don't talk every day or maybe every couple of weeks, but it's not unusual to get, like, a very sweet message. Like, hey, Brandy, if you ever need to talk about anything, I'm here. And I think that it's just kind of, like, just that time, those couple of days alone, like, those couple of days with her, it was just like, oh, we are really women comedians doing it. And um, I'm and I'm so very supportive. selective about that, too. Like, I, so saw, I saw Chanel at the Lucas Brothers... Um, Epics thing, right? Yeah. They, yeah. they shot at mm-hmm. the comedy store. Mm-hmm. And she was, I was dying laughing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who the fuck is that? Mm-hmm. And I just fell into a rabbit hole just watching <laughs> all her videos and shit. And was like, yo, you want to <laughs> come and I, And I love that too because so many people think like, oh, well, you know, you got to have one white guy, one, one, this, one, what, one woman, and then one black guy. And it's just like for you to have two women coming up before you and me and Chanel are completely different she's a biracial girl from New York you know what I'm saying I am a military black brat from Florida (laughs) and so it's just like we just have different types of lifestyles and like you know I'm happy that you were able to see that and that the audiences were able to see that because it's like the black women just said oh my baby daddy my baby daddy my baby daddy we don't even have kids you know what I'm saying like (laughs) let us be ourselves and you know what's crazy It's, it's you know it's interesting because, you know, that's like my audience, right? That was a, mm-hmm. my little punk-ass fans. <laughs> they <No>. are great. <laughs> and just to see them embrace y'all, that mm-hmm. way, you know. And, and you know, for me, hosting those rooms in Chicago, it was just you have all these different type of comics. Yeah. I never wanted to be a person like that had the same exact people. I mean, outside of Jay Arito, who are different too, <laughs> Those only cats I tour with, but that this last thing I brought Michi out, uh, mm-hmm. uh, 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 Eva Evans. Uh, it was it, it was just different people, man. yeah. And but then also too, I, I was very intentional about bringing more female comics. And uh, yeah, the road. thank you for that. Um, very, that's very important to me. Um, it's, it's it's so many fun. Like you mentioned, just niece earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Lee, mm-hmm. it's, it's Chicago got some like hitters. Yeah. You hear me? Uh, Erica Edwards. Yeah, you know, it's funny when you talking about you. She to me reminds. I, now y'all don't have the same exact journey, but the stand up journey. I just remember when everybody first started. Yeah, and by the time she started talking about her life and her mm-hmm. dad, that's when she was fucking hysterical. Yeah, like when she went away from just the bits. Yeah, and I think everybody goes through that. I, I, I when I first started, Michi and Wildcat. Shout out to them. I would tell all these stories about my family all the time, just just on some chill shit. Yeah. And do characters. We had girls over and I'm doing these t- characters. And them niggas are like, why you don't do this shit on stage, real? Yeah. What, you scared or something? I said, what the fuck? I ain't scared of shit. Yeah. And then that's when I started doing it. And then I just got, I got rid of every joke I ever wrote. I think that's when you become like your natural self. Like they said, finding your voice. It's not really so much binding, finding your voice. But being comfortable with your voice on stage. Mm-hmm. Using that voice. Right. Because yeah. some of the stuff I say to my friends just in passing, they're like, bitch, you need to say that on stage. I'm like, for real, you think so? <laughs> They're like, yeah. But no, I appreciate that, that, you know, you as a male 
were open to taking women on the road because I feel like some guys shy away from it because yeah. they don't know like you know what that would look like in terms of like like just having a woman presence and whether they like trying to talk to other women or if they don't they don't want to be in no type of me too situations or anything like that and so I feel like a lot of men shy away from it but I also feel like a lot of women don't do it as much because they don't want to have, like, their material stepped on. So I feel like we kind of get just, like, you know... I have so many friends who tour with so many of the big names, and it's like I feel like, if not at this point, definitely, like, a couple of years ago or even now, I could have been there if I was a male, like, just being out on the road with these people. But it's like, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to take Brandy Nice on the road. Like, I had one comedian uh, tell me that another comedian was like, I don't want to take Brandy Nice on the road. I like her for real. And so it's just like, mm. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, like. so, but that's, I guess that's what make it weird, right? It's just like, I love comedy, man. Yeah. And but, I mean, you know you, too. And so if they know them and you and you saving people from shit, then, you know, don't take them on the road. <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, yeah. And it's just fun. I mean, I think that was cool. I think I enjoyed that you and Chanel became really cool. Yeah. You know we saying? went to um, one of the clubs in Nashville, and it was empty. You remember we went and did hookah? Then y'all DJ or some shit? Yes. <laughs> and I don't need, and here's the, the thing. Fuck y'all talking about y'all DJs? Like, yeah. We went up, and we were like, so what's the music situation? They were like, oh, this is the music. We don't have a DJ. Chanel's like, I'm a DJ. I'm she a DJ. Let us DJ. They let us <laughs> DJ, and we broke the equipment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, what happened? I, th- I thought she said she made had the party going. No. Dog. I broke the equipment. The equipment got broke immediately. And we were like, well, all right, why would you let us do this? <laughs> I said y'all was DJ. Hey, why would you let us do this? <laughs> but that's the type of energy and vibes we want. We just going with the flow. They're like, yeah, fucking she a DJ. All right. <laughs> all right, well, shit, man. This was a fun episode. Y'all, absolutely. Uh, Brandy, Denise, thank you for coming to hang out with me and Wayne. Thank mm-hmm. you guys for having me. I'm extremely proud of you. I like, I'm like. i enjoying watching your success, and I can't wait to work with you on the screen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And, um, yeah, you're just killing this shit, yo. Thank you so much. Um, I value our friendship, and I'm very appreciative for the kind words. Because sometimes doing this stuff, you kind of get, you just get stuck on what's in front of you. And so it's nice to be aware of what's now. You know? mm-hmm. Yep. That's dope. Well, that's another great episode of Keeping It Real with Young Wayne. That's how we do it. And mm-hmm. I guess Brandy Denise, we out. <laughs> All right. That was a headgum podcast.